On today's episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, of course, we dive into the YouTube comments for the week, and we have a fun conversation joined by Brandon K. Scott of Sports Talk 16 Radio. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Friday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than never before. Bet Online is where the game starts. The weekend starts with the Locked On Texan Podcast. I'm John Hickman, joined by Cody Davis. Gotta dive into the YouTube comments, but before we do any of that, Ladies and gentlemen, and I'm going to ask Cody, of course, how was y'all week? Let us know in the YouTube comments. Cody, how was your week? Very good and very busy. Of course, my week started covering the Houston Texans, talking more about what took place Sunday, week one against the Indianapolis Colts, with the Houston Texans starting their season off with a 0-0-1 to and one record. Also had an opportunity on Monday to see some good work that the Houston Rockets are doing in the community. And ladies and gentlemen, a lot of people who are watching this podcast, listening to this podcast, following the Houston Texans, are also Rockets fans, and the NBA Media Day is officially 12 days away. So, yes, John, you know I'm just preparing my mind, getting ready to be a double beat reporter once again here in the city of Houston. The grind don't stop, and it never will. We got to dive into the YouTube comments. Hey, you know, uh, I want to say this is Bria. B-R-I-K-V-A-H. I can't. I'm sorry. Uh, but she did comment a day ago, said the Texans final third and one. You guys remember they tried to keep the drive going. Britt didn't block his man and do tackle Rex in the backfield. We only needed one yard. Exclamation <laughs> point. Exclamation point. That was the first comment that I wanted to address simply because Got to address Justin Britt, which we will do later in the show as well. Um, the Cody, I think there's a strong possibility that we may have seen Justin Britt play football for the last time on Sunday. Missed the last couple of days at practice for personal reasons. Pep Hamilton will address why um, or give us some type of information later on Friday. But thank God for NFL app and the NFL Plus app <laughs> now able to go back. And, and get some of that plus 22, all 22 in, um, Justin Britt just did not have a good day. And that's me saying it nicely. He's a veteran. He's been in this league a very long time. And he talked about his relationship with Russell Wilson ahead of Sunday's game and, you know, things he's been able to do off the field, on the field. But it doesn't sound like that he is necessarily encouraged to play football again after Sunday. And it may just be his body breaking down. And again, whenever if the news happens, I'll if you guys follow me on Twitter at John underscore Hickman twelve, I'll let you guys know the exact moment I mentioned whether or not this may be a possibility. I'm gonna say it right now. You tweeted it on Wednesday, <laughs> and look, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Britt 
announces his retirement. Ladies and gentlemen, we are recording this um, Thursday at September 15th um, at 6.36 p.m. That is very important because um, Friday morning, like around 10, 11 o'clock, we will hear from the Texans coaching staff, and they will give us, John, as you alluded to, an update about Justin Britt. And look, John, you was the first person that threw that idea, that possibility of, of Justin Britt retiring. And I would like to say, you know, even though I would be surprised, I would not be surprised at the same time because I remember doing, I, I can't remember if it was doing OTAs or mandatory minicamp, Justin Britt talked about how much he thought about the possibility of retiring um, this past season. And I know he said one of the reasons why he wanted to come back is because, you know, for those of you guys who don't know, during the 2020 campaign, he missed that entire season due to, I believe, he was coming off an ACL injury. He was going through that whole rehabbing process. And, of course, that was still during the time when he was with the um, Seattle Seahawks. Of course, they departed from him. He joins the Houston Texans last year. And even though Justin Britt has had a pretty good career as a quality starting center, um, Majority of his time with, with Russell Wilson during his time with the Seattle Seahawks, you know, the Houston Texans never really got the best version of Justin Britt. And I would like to say, you know, during the time when he was talking about the possibility of retirement, he just talked about how how much fun he had throughout the offseason just spending time with his family. And, John, you know, you are one of the biggest people I know who who values friendship and values spending time with family and you know it seemed like you know at the prior to the start of training camp it seemed like he just wanted to do it just one more time but as you alluded to when you go back and you take a look at that game on Sunday yeah Justin Brady it might be time for you to hang up those cleats but we will find out later on today also in that uh same uh, the same podcast that we shot a couple of days ago, this was the No Cooking podcast, How Can the Houston Texans Contain Russell Wilson? Uh, one thing that was a trend throughout the entire comment section was the linebackers group. And this is, I want to go back to B-R-I-K-V-A-H. She uh, mentioned, commented that our linebackers need help. Weak AF, defending pass, run mm -hmm. defense, Okay. Uh, as I go through this, I see linebackers mentioned over and over again, and this is a worry. Uh, Christian Kersey did not do good in zone, uh, dropping back in coverage. They had some issues that if they cleaned it up, maybe some of those bigger plays that the Indianapolis coach was able to get on Sunday may have not happened. And so going into this game on Sunday, seeing that this is a trend, this is something to sit in a position with. Justin Britt, but the linebackers going up against a Russell Wilson. How are mm. you going to respond in your assignment and being in your area and making a play? Yeah, John, and you know, I, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I do want to go back to our conversation we had a couple of days ago about Garrett Wallow. I did had an have an opportunity to talk to a source, and they told me that Garrett was still recovering, um, but at the same time, they still don't know when he's going to be able to get back. And I'm bringing Garrett Wallow name in this conversation because I do believe that the Houston Texans would be in a better position to slow down Russell Wilson because you know his his attribute as a linebacker who can excel in pass cover is coverage is one of if not his best attribute on the field and you know I even had an opportunity to speak to Garrett a couple of days ago um 
on Wednesday, as a matter of fact, following practice. And I told him, I said, man, you're not being out there against the Denver Broncos on Sunday is really going to hurt this team. And he just started laughing. But, you know, even him, even he told me himself that, you know, he's slowly but surely getting back to the get he getting his health back to where it was prior to him going down. I finally had an opportunity to see what happened. It was actually an ankle injury. He had a, a, a highly sprained ankle during that training camp practice leading into the um, preseason game against the New Orleans Saints. All this time, we were just told that it was just a lower leg injury, but which now we all know it is now an ankle injury. Paul Thibodeau, last comment we're going to get into before we talk to Brandon K. Scott. Got to run the ball better. We'll help the passing game and defense. We'll get more rest. Um, Paul, you're right. I think that's it. Listen, we've. it sounds like Lovey Smith is taking it personal this week mm. in wanting to establish the run, uh, mentioning several times how much he wants to have that run game. This week alone, you know, helped the offense, getting Damian Pierce more touches. And uh, I think everybody right now is, is looking at this situation skeptical, Um but for Damian Pierce, he's had a good week, practice week. Um, I definitely anticipate seeing him out on the field uh, way more than what we saw on Sunday. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond world's largest professional network of over 800 million people then add your job in the purple hiring frame to your linkedin profile to spread the word that you are hiring so your network can help you find the right people it's small it's why small businesses rate linkedin jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus deleting competitors linkedin jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to Faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on to post your job for free. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Friday installment of Locked On Texas. And you know, since it's Friday, we got our guy, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 16. Brandon, what's going on, man? Oh, man, just enjoying life, loving life. Glad to be on with y'all for, uh, you know, another installment, a second straight week. Uh, glad, glad to have been wrong about the Texans last week in terms of how they <laughs> match up against the Indianapolis Colts because I didn't think it would be as close as it was. And so uh, kind of got a glass half full view of the season now. We're at a glass half view of the team these days. And I'm glad that you mentioned the Indianapolis Colts because that is where I want to start and look. We've been talking about it all week. I know our listeners and viewers are tired of talking about it. So I just want to give everybody a quick rundown on your weekly spot on In The Loop every Thursday at 11 o'clock. Um, you went on there on yesterday and you said that even though you you did not like Lovey Smith's um, decision to settle for the tie, um, you, you did understand it. But going back and taking a look at that game, what was if I could put it this way, the most disappointing part about how the Houston Texans played? Well, I, I think it's obvious, Cody, just the fact that they could not finish the game. And I've been trying to decide. I've waffled a little bit on 
was what we saw at the end of the game more of a regression to the mean? And was that the Texans outplaying their outplaying their own talent and outplaying themselves early on in the game and us getting the real Texans uh, late in the third quarter and throughout the fourth quarter? And really, we're talking about the fourth quarter in overtime or you know, or is it that glass half full aspect of it that I mentioned earlier? Like, is this a better football team than I was even giving it credit for when we discussed the game ahead of time? And so the the disappointing part, and, and it's interesting to, to look back on it because in real time, I'll be honest with you guys, I didn't see Davis Mills as being a huge problem. I thought he was inaccurate on some throws. I thought he was antsy a bit in the pocket, but I thought for the most part, and maybe this is because I was allowing the beginning of the game to cloud my judgment, allowing my own expectations of Davis Mills and the fact that he's already exceeded them. Maybe that was clouding my judgment. But in real time, I did not have a major problem with the quarterback play. And then I go back and watch the game and I'm like, man, good quarterback play would have won the game. Like not even <laughs> not even elite quarterback play. I'm not even saying go out there and be Russell Wilson, let's say, who they're going to face on Sunday. But even being at that point, Matt Ryan, like I think about I think about the fact that Matt Ryan was able to pick up at least two first downs that I can remember. Certainly one, but at least two first downs, I think, with his legs. 37 year old Matt Ryan, who we've talked about not ever being considered a mobile guy or dual threat or anything close to it, but someone who is aware and mobile in the pocket and can can avoid some issues it can can make up for some shortcomings that maybe his offensive line might present and davis mills simply didn't do that it was a it was a disappointment to to come away from that game thinking is matt ryan at 37 years old more athletic right now than davis mills is at 24 whatever he is like and i wouldn't have i wouldn't have even asked that question ahead of time you know one of the things that i said sort of tongue-in-cheek was that I need Davis Mills in his second season in, in order for us to have a serious conversation about is Davis Mills the guy. I need him right now to be better than this version of Matt Ryan. He didn't have to be 2015 MVP level Matt Ryan, but the Matt Ryan that the Indianapolis Colts traded for, I needed Davis Mills to at least look better than him. And I cannot say that overall, neither one, I don't think either one of them looked great in the game. But I cannot say that overall I felt that way. And that was a, a disappointment. You know, and if there's one play I will point to, it's third and six with a minute and 30 left in the fourth quarter when there you are in a two-minute drill, the ball in your own 44, an opportunity to get a first down, drive the ball downfield, and not necessarily get in the end zone, but just get a field goal. Just get in field goal range. And we don't even have to have no conversation about overtime and does, Dovey, does Lovey Smith go for the tie or is he aggressive and go for the win? Like we, we avoid even having to make that decision if you just get better quarterback play from, from Davis Mills. And what does he do on that third and six? He and Brandon Cooks are on the are not on the same page. Brandon Cooks runs a perfect out route and is wide open right there at the sideline, a half yard past the sticks, which is the 49 and a half yard mark on the other side. So into Colts territory, right? And you're in good position there. And you're stopping the clock. And instead, for whatever reason, Davis Mills thought the route was to go inside. And who was there? Stephon Gilmore, who if Davis Mills throws a better ball, right? And you don't want to throw a good ball to the other team, obviously. But assuming that he's trying to throw a good ball, period, 
he throws a better ball and it doesn't hit the dirt, Stephon Gilmore is taking that thing the other way. And so that play, you know, forces fourth down. It is the uh, it is the sort of impetus for overtime, right? And you, you, you make that play and you continue to march downfield to give yourself an opportunity to win the game. And so I come away from, from, from that moment thinking, hey, here was an opportunity for the quarterback who the, the sole question this season, the, the main question I should say for the Texans this season is, is Davis Mills your quarterback of the future? Can he play at least well enough to make you think twice about drafting a quarterback high uh, in 2023. And here was an opportunity for him to show, hey, I'm a guy that you can win because of not just with or in spite of. I'm not Jimmy Garoppolo, but I'm closer to one of those guys that you would want to give a second contract to. And and he just did not. Obviously, it's just one week, one game, right? One game of the season. We'll, we'll do this 16 more times. But – to be in the moment, it was a disappointing moment for Davis Mills and for the offense overall. You know, throughout that game, there were moments where I thought Davis Mills kind of showed what he can and can't do. It, it, it Random parts throughout the game. And I think what you just mentioned was one of them not taking – for all of the times we don't want Rex Burkhead on the field, uh, there was a wide-open play to Rex Burkhead in the flats that would have been some positive yards for him. So, But then you have the play where – and, you know, I, I would even mention the Brandon Cooks – on the flea flicker, which they completed. However, if you lead your receiver like Brandon Cooks, who already had maybe about four to five to six yards of separation on his cornerback closest to him, you know, he's walking that in. But then you have him recognizing plays and, and breaking out of defense and hitting the guy he's supposed to hit. Then you have him, you know, when they were creative and somewhat aggressive early on in the game, he was able to make some throws. Saw some good, saw some bad. One issue that I have from Sunday's game that they cannot afford to do again, although I think they will, if we can go back and watch how much time throughout the game did Matt Ryan gradually get to have in the pocket because the front four of the defense, which is what Lovey Smith, he wants to create pressure with the front four. They're not getting after Matt Ryan. That was an issue for the Houston Texans on Sunday as well. Yeah, and, and for me, I, I've kind of been harping on this point about just questioning the defensive line as in terms of quality. Like, don't you, you can tell me about depth as much as you want to. Yeah, I know you got a lot of guys. You kept a lot of guys on the defensive line. And we saw that early on in the game, right, where there's a defensive line that you saw in their first drive, the Colts' first drive. And they were rotating guys. Like you saw the backups in uh, Kurt Heinish and I want to say Michael Dwan for but certainly Kurt Heinish was in weird. there. They were in there in that second, uh, maybe it was the third drive. I feel like it was the second drive. I'm saying. So they're, they're rotating their guys in and out. Uh, you, you saw uh, Obo and Karankwo, um in the second drive where it was mostly Jerry Hughes and, uh, and Jonathan Grenard on the edges in the first drive. So they're going to rotate guys in and out. There's going to be seven, eight guys that are going to play in a game, and they're not going to just play a little bit. They're going to all play a lot. But who's going to be the difference maker? Who's going to be that guy that you can kind of hang your hat on and say, hey, that's the dude. Like when you go and say you're not familiar with the Texans or as familiar with the Texans, but you kind of just go up and down the depth chart, and there are names that ring out. The way I did with the Colts, uh, you know, in the first week, and I'm like, whoa, quitty pay. 
Oof. Grover Stewart. Woo. And already DeForest Buckner and Yannick Ngakwe are, are, are names that that already ring out, right? And so you're like, man, that's a lot of that, that's so that sounds like a tough matchup uh for any offensive line, much less one that's trying to get right. Well, who do the Texans have on their defensive line that make you that make you think twice or, or breathe a little bit like that where you go, oh, like who's who's the other than other than Jonathan Grenard last year? I mean, he was your leading sack guy last year, but it's not like he's super established, right? He's in his third season, and last year was his best year. Jerry Hughes is probably more so that guy than anyone. And we're talking about a 34-year-old dude who still got juice, but that can't be all you got on the defensive line. If you're talking about hitting on your point, John, you're only bringing four, and 34-year-old Jerry Hughes is the only one bringing the juice. Like You absolutely need to see more from that defensive line if this is going to be the approach. If the approach is going to be we're going to rush four, we're not going to do a bunch of disguising, we're not going to do a bunch of blitzing, uh, we're going to rely on our front four to bring pressure. They did not do it. Now, Matt Ryan handles pressure well to begin with. He handles pressure well anyway. That's not an excuse for Okoronko to over-pursue uh, or to break contain or for other than Malik Collins to not really see much disruption from your inside guys. And so from a pass rushing standpoint, and certainly from a – I felt bad for him a little bit because they were going up against Jonathan Taylor, who is just straight-up special. There were times when Jonathan Taylor was making runs, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. That dude is just slippery and strong, fast, everything that you want in the running back. But so if you take even the the the, the troublesome run defense out of the equation, they're not even getting pressure on a guy that does well with pressure. So uh, so it, it, it was it was tough to watch. Not exactly encouraging on the defensive line stamp from the defensive line standpoint, except for uh, except for. For, for, for Jerry Hughes. And Jonathan Grenard made a play or two, um, but he didn't look like himself to me uh, throughout the game. Uh, see, wasn't moving like fast. I, I, I think I called it on Twitter. I called it a lazy spin move that I saw him make. And lazy is probably not the right characterization, not the right word, because I know Jonathan Grenard to be a hard worker. And so, I, you know, so I'm not trying to put that on him, but he didn't look fast. He didn't look for whatever reason, didn't look like he was going full speed, you know, and, and, and I don't think it was for lack of trying, but, Whatever the reason is, they need to fix it. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports this season. Find all of the latest sports and football league developments, game matchups, news podcasts, including this year's opening week games. It's been a lot of fun. And week two is going to be even crazier. BetOnline is also your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action happening at BetOnline because BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Texans your first listen today. Now make Locked On Fantasy Football your second listen. Find the intellectual fantasy expert, Benny Iyer, who brings over two decades of NFL expertise and a unique angle to give you the moves no one else has. Get ready for your fantasy draft with Locked On Fantasy Football. Brandon K. Scott, we're definitely going to get your input on Sunday's matchup versus the Broncos. But before we do, man, I've been wanting to ask this question for some time because well, is this not a critical moment 
in this franchise history, only 20 years old, and have had a lot of issues within the last couple of years after building a very promising roster. Um, but right now in the Nick Casario era, is this not important? Yo, I mean, it's, it is super important in terms of establishing – like I've said before that I thought last year was year zero of the rebuild. And I've, I've softened up a little bit on calling it a complete waste of time. I did think hiring David Cully was a waste of time. And with no disrespect to David Cully as a human being, I felt like he was a really good human being. And, Cody, you can speak to this too. It was good to, he was good to work with. A pleasure, a pleasure to work with and be around as a guy, but in terms of being a football coach, I mean, what what, what exactly were you guys doing? You know, I, that that with all the excuses and reasons in the world that you could give me for why you would hire David Cully, nobody wanted the job. Maybe Nick Casario wanted to be more hands on, and so he wanted a bit of more of a walk around coach where he could be more of the brains behind the operation. That's a little bit more conspiracy theory. Uh, whatever the reason is, like, it does not work for me. It, it, like, I don't like it and I will not accept it. It is not good enough. You know, like you could, you had to have done better than that. No less the fact that you end up hiring Lovey Smith, who was your defensive coordinator already, you know, which means he was already in the building. If you were just going to hire somewhat of a older lame duck, you know, a, a coach just to kind of get you by and get you through, you could have done what you did this year last year so i've been really critical on how they approached year zero what i call it of the rebuilds from a coaching standpoint and so i feel like that makes this year all the more important because of the time that i felt like was wasted last year and so yeah no i think this is this is an important year on finding out what is davis mills and i'm I'm just gonna be straight up with y'all i think they need to go ahead and just draft the guy damn if you if you're if you're drafting high Okay, especially high enough to get one of these guys, and let's say you believe in them. I always say stay true to your evaluation. Don't necessarily take my opinion. I like Bryce Young, okay? But if if you're able to get C.J. Stroud and you like him, if you're able to get Anthony Richardson and you like him, if you're able to get Will Levis and you – listen, I'm just saying, if if your evaluation – I'm not – I'm not saying that these are guys that I would go draft high. But if that's true to your evaluation, that you think that guy has higher potential, higher ceiling than Davis Mills, go ahead and be true to it. I won't have a problem with it at all. But I feel like they need to be thinking along those lines and be thinking in that mindset because they'll have Davis Mills either way. They ain't, it ain't like they got to cut him. He'll still be around. But the year is still figuring out if that's something that, – that's my opinion, right? But for the team, it's still about them figuring out if they agree with that or if they feel like they can – fill another need or go get another difference maker and feel like they already got the quarterback. You've got to find that out as soon as possible. And this is the year to do that. What have I said on this podcast in in previous appearances, what I'm most excited about the young guys, the five guys that they drafted in 2021. And let's call it the first five or six guys. You know, we maybe we can take John Mechie out of there for now, given his uh, health situation, but you know, the main guys, let's call it, they drafted here, figuring out where they factor in into the future, into the rebuild. You hope that all of them have some kind of role, but to what degree, to what level, you know? And so to me, it is a super important moment in time 
in, in terms of evaluation and what your what is the young talent that you're building off of and then from a leadership standpoint you know like uh, for us and evaluating okay is nick Asirio good at this he got a pass to a to a large degree last year given their cap situation given their draft capital situation deshaun watson lingering over the front or hovering over the franchise in that situation okay this is the first year where i feel like there is no pass this is the first year where you can objectively and fairly evaluate the guy and the job that he's doing and so you want to see progress you want to see a markedly better football team than what you've seen um or at least certainly in 2021. looking ahead to sunday's game brandon is there any type of matchup or anything that you're looking at saying if the houston texans can go out there and execute this game plan they can actually come away victorious against the denver broncos i i would say game plan wise i thought i'll just say this i thought they had a good game plan against the colts you know, mm-hmm. I know I, agree. I know Pep Hamilton is getting a lot of criticism and, and the coaching staff, let's just call it in general, is getting a lot of criticism and Pep Hamilton is the play caller for the amount of run that Rex Burkhead got. And that's a rightful criticism and credit to Lovey Smith for very early on in the week on Monday, owning up to that. Like, yeah, no, nah, I can't defend that. No, you cannot. And I'm glad you did not <laughs> try to. So so good on them for that. But aside from that element of it, the play calling I didn't have a huge problem with until the obvious, until the very end there, the the heavy personnel uh, on third and one with Rex Burkhead, uh, you know, with the with the extra tight end, an obvious running situation to Rex Burkhead, who for, who inexplicably had had the bulk of your carries and was in there in a clutch situation. Um, it shouldn't be either, but it certainly shouldn't be both, and that's what it was on Sunday or last Sunday. Um, aside from that, I thought the game plan was was fine. So I'm, I'm actually interested to see what their game plan is and don't have a huge objection to how how their game planning, per se, outside of the, the usage of personnel. If there is a matchup, though, that I'm most interested in watching, and I'm not saying for sure this is going to swing the game. It certainly could. But, yo, did y'all see how Bradley Chubb just suddenly came alive all of a sudden in the second half against the Seahawks? <laughs> how they went been calling yeah. his name at all and even yeah. the announcers were mentioning like man this is a guy who flashes every other year rookie year in 2018 burst on the scene with 12 sacks uh the, the you know 2019 not is not yet so like every other year he's been a factor and i think now we're so we're on the even year he's due he's due to be that <laughs> dude and, and look like that guy in the second half of that game poor right tackle for uh, for the Seattle Seahawks had nothing for him. And so if there is a matchup just based off of watching that game on Monday night that I'm intrigued by, it is uh, watching uh, Bradley Chubb go up against Titus Howard on that right side because I'm pretty sure he's going to try to exploit that rather than go up against Larry Tunsil, who is easily by far and away their best offensive lineman. Now, the obvious matchup that'll be fun, that I think will be fun, it's Jerry, Judy, and Derek Stingley. Yes, oh, yeah. sir. Um, oh, yeah. And so Jerry, Judy, for, for those who don't know, and I'm sure all of you, if you listen and watch this podcast, you do know this. Jerry, Judy is about as good and nice of a route runner as you'll find. Obviously, the best in the league are Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs. But Jerry, Judy is built from that mold in terms of precise route running. 
And so, and obviously is physically gifted on top of that. And so that to me will be just such a great, and I say test, it's not like these guys haven't played against each other before, not familiar with each other. And Derek Stingley uh, being an LSU guy, uh, Jerry Judy being an Alabama guy. So I'm looking forward to it. And every time this happens, okay, it, it, throughout throughout Derek Stingley's career, when he gets to go up against, let's call it the the talented receivers, both from his own team from LSU, okay. So the the whenever he faces the Justin Jeffersons and Jamar Chases of the world, and then whenever he faces the Jerry Judys and I'm blanking Jalen Waddles. I know they've had some. I know one of their guys is not in the league anymore. So I'm, I'm blanking on some of the Alabama receivers. I was going to mention Henry Ruggs. Obviously, he's not around anymore. But whenever he's going up against the Jerry Judys and, and guys like that, anybody that you can remember, oh, they were in college at the same time in the SEC of relevant teams where they played together at LSU, it's always going to be appointment viewing. And so Jerry Judy is showing himself to be that kind of quality player. Uh, that catch that he made on Monday night. Uh, Crazy. Where, where he just, I think, flipped Crazy. The rookie cornerback, uh, Kobe Bryant, <laughs> who they had to take out of the game immediately to kind of oh my god, Bruce Ego, uh, for that to happen to on Monday Night Football on the national stage. I mean, and, and to be clear, I don't think that's happening to uh, to Derek Stingley, but you you know, he saw that play watching film. <laughs> you know, if he wasn't watching the game live, you know, damn sure by now he's seen that and, and is familiar with Jerry Judy. So if there is a if there is a single matchup that'll be most exciting, and let's be honest, most people don't necessarily watch the game as closely as we do, as closely as you do, especially John, watching the 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 line play, the the the, the play in the trenches, and what's going on with the, with the with the end and the tackle, you know, with with Chubb and Titus Howard, not, like not everybody is going to pick up on that unless something you know something major happens. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be fun. Yeah, that that'll be a good matchup to watch. But the marquee one to watch will be obviously Jerry Judy and Derek Stingley Jr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, really quick, where can our listeners follow you at on social media? Tell them about your B Block podcast and be sure to plug in which days of the week you will be featured on In the Loop. Yeah, man. So follow me at Brandon K. Scott on Twitter. You can, if, if you follow me there, you'll find out wherever I'm at at any time. But beyond that, man, yeah, I'm on In The Loop every Thursday at 11 unless something changes, unless there's like a schedule thing that either pushes me forward or pushes me back. But certainly on Thursday or if John McClain's got a Hall of Fame thing going yeah, on. Yeah, I'm about to say if John McClain like to bump everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and we accommodate John McClain because he's a legend and that's just how it works. But follow me at Brandon K. Scott to know if anything changes on there. Otherwise, 11 a.m on Thursdays in the loop and of course the B Block podcast we're publishing on Tuesdays and then the second day of the week is a little bit flexible sometimes it'll be Friday but I don't want to compete too much with the Locked On Texas podcast we want to free a little bit too so most days I'm gonna be trying to do that on Saturdays okay but I want to get that last episode in before before Sunday before you get that Sunday's game and the B block is more than just the Texans too. Uh, obviously, you can get Texans commentary here as a primary source for that. But on the B block, you can hear me talk about the Texans or anything else that I find interesting that particular day or week. So B block podcast, Spotify, Apple, uh, wherever you get your podcast, and of course, follow me at Brandon K. Scott uh, to be updated if anything changes on kind of the normal set schedule. 
It is. Hey, as always, John underscore Hickman 12. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Like Facebook. Make sure you subscribe to under the name Locked On Texans. We got to have a fun weekend. We got to uh we got to have some upsets. We got to have we got to have some safe fun and overall I think we need to just see the Houston Texans get a dub. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't y'all don't y'all think like how how much of a perception shift and I know the perception of the Bron- of the Broncos is down a little bit uh because of that Monday night performance and, and in large part because of their head coach their rookie head coach. But how much of a perception difference would it be in the Texans to tie? And if people didn't watch the game, they might not know that they were dominating it up by 17. (laughs) But to be up by 17 and ultimately tie against a Colts team that most folks or a lot of folks at least expect to actually contend in the AFC South and probably win it. Okay, to to match up well against them and then to beat any of those vaunted AFC West. Like they beat any of these AFC West teams this year. I think that's a feather in the cap, but certainly one that is led by Russell Wilson and has some level of expectation given the moves that they made in the offseason. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge perception shift, don't you? If they if they can come out 1-0-1 after two opponents that I still feel like outmatch them and are <laughs> on paper and fundamentally better than them, to me that is – that is a feather in the cap for the Texans and bodes well for what they're doing development-wise. Yeah, and I 100% agree yeah. with you, Brandon, because you know I was listening to some national reporters talk about the fact that the Texans actually tied with the Colts. And you could tell by the way they were talking about them tying with the Colts, their perception about the Texans changed now. You could tell the ones who didn't watch the game because if you watched the game and you saw the tie, everyone was like, it's a loss. But, you know, I 100% agree with you, man. If they could come out and get a win against the Denver Broncos, that is going to work wonders for this organization. But, as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.